Welcome, everybody, to the Sonoma Spiel. My name is Tim Zahner with the Sonoma Valley Visitors Bureau. Every week, we bring you fascinating characters from Sonoma Valley and talk about the issues and what's happening. And before I get into my introduction, I want to say today I went to the farmer's market like I always do, and there was a guy playing music. He was phenomenal. He was doing a great job. The bocce people were out there fighting each other, and I got a really good seasonal fruit galette from Baker and Cook. So, Jen, thank you for that. It was fantastic. Got a little bit of nitro coffee from Timothy at Yeehaw Coffee, which is why I'm still flying a little high. And I can uh, see tomorrow. It looks fine. The amount of caffeine per ounce is, yeah, it's really, really, really high. So it's good times there on uh, Sonoma Plaza. Going to have a big race coming in, the Napa to Sonoma Half Marathon. Welcome, everybody, for that run. I'm not going to run, but I really support you. But, folks, I know I say every week that I have a very special guest. And I know you guys think, oh, Tim, you always say that. I also say I don't know much about history. I don't know much about biology. I don't know much psychology. But I do know that my next guest is really amazing. <laughs> I'd like to introduce everybody to my very special guest, George Weber. George, how are you? I am happy to be here with you, Mr. Tim Sonner, <laughs> the smartest guy in the world really? of tourism. You know, George, I need a hype man and you're my guy. Like you just like, I'm there for you. you. You're just like I've known you so since two thousand and three. Yeah, you know it's funny you mentioned that. Twenty years. Thanks, George. Thanks. Thank- and and when you walked in, I like you said. I remember when you had hair. And no, there's I that. <laughs> I love that. So wow, it's been that. Yeah, it has been. That That's long. how long it's been. Holy cramoly. You had very nice hair too. Thank you. Abundant so swaths yes, of, yes, right. of furry hair. That's right. And my beard was just nothing but brown the whole back then, barely. And now it's a little. Pepper. I just remember the hair, the curly, <laughs> beautiful curly hair. Locks. <laughs> so gorgeous. The long, beautiful George. hair. So, George, that's actually apropos because the reason why you're here is that you are a history guy. Fact. You are a history guy. Because, like, I was going to introduce you as, like, oh, the Count as one of your characters, or, or Mark Twain, or a guy that is walking tours. And those are, those are all true. Right? Indeed. Right? But you're, but you're like, what are you, George? Why are you here? What's going on? You love history. Talk to me. I have always loved history, Tim, okay. from an early age. And I've also loved acting. Okay. And so for the last 20 years, my mission is to combine these two things. Because okay. I believe that for people to understand and appreciate history, mm-hmm. they need to have it presented to them in a fun and entertaining way. No, I think it should just be boring facts. I disagree with you 100%. <laughs> Take out your pencils. And, and interestingly, people when people tell me history is so boring... I never really understand what they're talking about, right. even when it was just facts. Right. To me, the facts seemed amazing. Right. And I've always been fascinated by the panoply of incredible stories that appear in history. Okay, but, and this is for people who don't know, for the five people who left in the universe, because you are the master of getting your story out, you talk about history, but you actually become characters. And that's how you do You don't just lecture Right. You inhabit that person and tell their story. A theatrical performance Mm -hmm. based on real study of history. Okay. So I I got a degree in politics and and political history. So I've been studying history for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I've also been acting since I was seven years old. Really? Yes. Where? Like? The community uh, theater? I am from Des Moines, Iowa, and I was a product of a community theater children's theatrical program. No way. 
way. What kind of plays did you do back then? I was the star of Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. <laughs> In fact, I so was you Peter. Play, you played the pumpkin. Oh, okay. I was Peter. Oh, okay. You were Peter. Yeah. You were the star. And I'll tell you a story. So, um, <laughs> I expect nothing less. Uh, I was 12, mm-hmm. and we're playing to three to eight-year-olds. As a core demographic. And for a children's theater. <laughs> right. And the thing about, about acting in front of three to eight and nine-year-olds is that if it's done correctly, they forget they're in a play. Okay. It becomes real to them. The willful suspension. And you know bad. also, you know exactly whether you have them or not. Oh, right. Adults can sit on their stool and be quiet and, and go. Polite, and just. But their minds are wandering. And they'll just fall asleep. But right. children, when you've lost them, they're talking, they're moving, they're getting mm. up out of their seat, they're wandering into the <laughs> hall. Right. So, but the pregnant attention mm. of a five-year-old mm-hmm. who has, who believes that what's in front of them is real. Right. Is palpable. Right. You can feel it. And so I recall I was 12, I was Peter, and my task, I was the very beginning of the play, the first person, I'm behind the big curtain. Okay. This was performed at a major, major. I mean, it was a it was a children's theater that's part right. of a community playhouse. Okay. So this wasn't a small stage or, or playhouse. There's right. 800 was seats. In Des Moines. Yeah, in Des Moines, okay. which is a major city for right. no, it is. Iowa. Des Moines, yes. We don't say that, but you don't say Des we call it a Death Moine, Death actually. <laughs> um, but there you so, are, so I'm old. behind the curtain, right. and I remember being really excited. And my task: the curtain's going to go up, right. and then I'm going to run. And there's a a set is is a is a two foot high fence, and my my task okay. is to jump over the fence, and then okay. and then ex- and start my line. So you do your own stunts. Well, it wasn't supposed to be a stunt, but right, it turned out okay. to be because because I I didn't really quite get it over the fence fully with my left foot and dragged and I knocked down this whole set and the whole thing just came <laughs> crashing down, and I turned around and I said, "They're not building fences like they used to," <laughs> and the audience got a big laugh, Good job. big laugh, Good job, and I and I and I went. That's it. You soaked it all in. That's what I want to do. Oh, sweet nectar of attention. (laughs) Yes. But when I was 14, Mm -hmm. our teacher was very good, Mm -hmm. very talented, said, if any of you of my students are thinking of being an actor for a living, Mm -hmm. then here's my advice. Only do this if there's nothing else you can do to be happy. Okay. Because if, if that's the case, you will almost certainly have a tough life. Right. Being an actor as a profession is almost impossible. Yeah. To this day, people are in these SAG and AFTRA unions. Yeah. And these are people who have actually been paid professionally at least once. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you can't get in the union. Okay. Of those people, 2% make a living at it. The other 90. And they're in the union. They're just passionate. 90. So it's almost impossible. So, so like, I never thought right. about making a living as an actor, but I have always used these this training okay. and my sensibility in other ways. And over the last 20 years, it's been about presenting original theatrical performances. I write, produce, direct, create. Right. History, acting, on the streets of Sonoma in the plaza, mm-hmm. and then uh, at Buena Vista Winery for 10 years when I was the Count, and I wrote a living history play every year, an original play <laughs> about General Vallejo, the Count, Mark Twain, Joaquin Murrieta, Were and all these other people characters. in Sonoma, or are they Sonoma-inspired? Well, 
I did have one play set in San Francisco okay. where everyone was present. Okay. So okay. all the plays could have happened. Right. As far as the dates. Theoretically. Theoretically, they could have, it, it could have happened. It's like alternative history. Precisely. Or historical fiction yeah. or something like that. But they're, but they're true because I know the characters so well. So right. when I write these, the characters tell me what their lines should be. And so there's a feeling of, of reality to it, even though, of course, it is made up. Do you... So... I want to talk about the Buena Vista thing. Uh, so sure. historic winery here in Sonoma. Very. The first commercial winery, perhaps, in California. There's Probably true. There's okay. different ways to look at it. Always but, stories. But, you know, you could say that it's the first really large-scale European-style winery in California. Okay. And not like a mission, which was doing sacramental wines. This was doing wine for sale, right? Correct. So we actually had the Spanish and the Russians had wine they brought yes. from Europe. General Vallejo was the first commercial winemaker of the Sonoma Valley. Got it. Okay. He was making wine and selling commercially in 1839. Okay. So, but he wasn't a big European-style commercial winery, so that's why I prefer to use that phrase. So you, I think, were the only historical reenactor on a winery payroll ever. And to this day, the only one. <laughs> Still the best. Well, they, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm the very best, and I'm the only one that's so, ever done it. What was the character that you portrayed at Buena Vista Winery? Well, Count Augustin Hadesti, the Hungarian founder of Buena Vista, mm-hmm. was a tremendously interesting character, and I was hired in 2011 to portray the Count mm-hmm. at Tours and create a touring operation at the winery. And then in about six months, I became the brand ambassador for the winery. Okay. And my task was to travel around America Uh up to 20 weeks a year, and I sold wine directly into the market. As the count. As the count. And I would walk in looking like this with a top hat, and I would go into a, a grotty, package store in Providence, Rhode Island, okay. and the owner would look up with a strange look in his face, and I would say, hello, I am Count Augustin Hadesti. Would you like to try my wine? And he would say, that's weird, but you have my attention. Wait, so wait, you you wouldn't make a reservation? You'd walk in oh. as the Count to do cold sales? So... We would work with our distributor partners. Okay. So these are our appointments. Gotcha. So they kind of knew you were we, coming at they least. They knew we were coming. You weren't like some guy off the street. Like, no, no, I'm no, here from the 1840s. This is a very big commercial enterprise. And, right. and, and, and uh, I would go in. Typically, they would want five to seven appointments a day. Oh, gosh. And, and if it was less than that, then they'd get yelled at. The, okay, the, the distributors. Because we, uh, Boisset, Jean-Charles Boisset, who the hired me, with the socks. Yep. who was a lovely fellow and quite brilliant, hired mm-hmm. me to do this. And Probably the smartest thing he's ever done. I completely agree. <laughs> uh, and so it was a wonderful 10 years. Right. And, and, and then I got older. There's something called Medicare. What's so, that? Like? I'm a Gen X. I don't know what that is. You'll find out if it's still if it's still available <laughs> when working. you get older. Keep working, millennials. Yeah. So okay. So Sorry. you you retired as champion as can't count Augustine Harassasi. I can't pronounce his name. Say it again. Well, so uh, Val Harristhe, who lives in this town, uh-huh. who is the great great grandson of the count, okay, and so he has a right to use his name. He says Harristhe. Harristhe. As a fake Hungarian, I would say Hadesti. <laughs> What happened to the Count? Like, did he retire from the winemaking business? Uh, the Count is a sad story. Oh. The Count 
created Buena Vista, a tremendously successful winery at the time. Yeah. In 1863, formed a modern corporation, the Buena Vista Vinicultural Society, and sold $600,000 of stock in 1863. Wow. This is around $20 million in today's funds. And you're about 15 years after the gold rush of California. So 1863, sure. Uh, I agree with you. Okay. That actually is the correct number. Thank you. You're doing the math very well. (laughs) 15 years. And so his belief was that the perfect soil and Mm -hmm. weather in Mm -hmm. Sonoma and California in general Mm -hmm. would make it possible that eventually California would export more dollars worth of wine even than that of gold. Which we do. Oh, certainly now. Right now, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So he started at Buena Vista, a modern European commercial winery. He brought in the most uh, modern of equipment from France and Germany. Right, right. And he had a steam press. Okay. He had had, uh, the, the... the press room that you can visit today mm-hmm. had two-inch leather belts snaking all through it, run by a steam engine. And, <laughs> and he, a guy named Stumpy, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> you could lose a finger in there. Jeez. <laughs> oh, um, and it was a huge success. Sadly, okay. an unknown vine disease began destroying the vines as early as 1860. Just a few vines at first. By 1866, half the Wait, grapevines were dead. Is it known now, the name of the It disease? is now. It's what called it? phylloxera, of That's, course. That sounds awful. And it's likely the Count himself brought the root louse, oh. the aphid, almost invisible, one-twentieth of an inch, Okay. Uh, brought the, grape vi- the, the louse when he acquired some root ball sacks of grapevines from New Jersey. So we have New Jersey. New Jersey. Just for the record, so far we've pissed off uh, Iowans by saying that their community theater is good, but it's called Death Moines. Now we're upsetting New Jerseyans. Thank you. Is anybody else? That oh, but they, 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 they do such a good job of, of, of insulting themselves. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, so, the, but but he yeah, the flock settled. Uh, did he just retire? Like, so then, sadly, in 1866, the co- was fired by the corporation. From his own founded. company. His own yes. company. Okay. Well, what he, you see, the thing is that he was either a rube or overly optimistic because when he sold stock mm-hmm. in the company, mm-hmm. he kept 48 percent. Of the stock, so and I know you've got Which a history isn't of knowing quite, about finance. So does that isn't mean, quite enough? So to actually, he doesn't control it. <laughs> now he was, but he was the largest shareholder in a. I mean, well, then there he was, wins. There clearly, was six, ten percent, five percent. It may never have occurred to him that if all of them banded together, right, they could force him out. So you're giving me a business tip that if you have a corporation, fifty-one percent. Yes, okay. yes, very important. Or fifty percent plus one, I guess, or whatever. Whatever. Right. right. Long majority. As, yes, a majority. Right. So he was fired. Okay. And then it, they declared his stock portion worthless. You can do that. Well, so this is in 1863. So, uh, you right. know, that's been a good question over the years. And the answer is, well, we don't know, but they did it. Okay. And so the count was bankrupt. He was devastated. But he had a dream because he was an expert brandy maker. Oh. And therefore, he knew how to distill. Oh, the Corbell boys were Hungarians. Weren't they out there in Gernville? Well, they're, I, they're, I believe, or Germans or Swiss. Okay. Okay, something. But like, so. and, and that was about... 15 years later, okay. but in 1862, uh-huh. a, a, a man named Bacardi began a rum distillery in 
Cuba or, well, or I've Cuba. Heard, I've heard of it. And so it, he's done fairly well for himself <laughs> over okay. the years. <laughs> okay. So he decided, the Count Augustin Hadesti decided to move to Nicaragua. Okay. And, and, and distill rum and make a fortune, make his fortune back. He needed rum to make rum, distill rum. Rum. Okay. And so he went to Nicaragua. He formed a partnership with a sugarcane plantation owner. Oh dear. Okay. As rum is made from sugarcane. Right. And the things are going very well until until July 6, eighteen sixty nine, when he was exploring the sugarcane plantation, okay. crossing a river on a tree that grew. Uh, over the river. Oh, like a bridge, like a natural yeah, bridge. Yeah, a natural okay. bridge. And there, 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 there were crocodiles in the river. He grabbed a hold of a branch. It broke in his hand. He slipped and fell into the river and was eaten by a crocodile. And I have had ladies jump up out of their chair, three quarters drunk at a, at a count dinner at a country club, jump and go, nah! Was that that was like being in Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater? And it was, and it, it was the next step from Peter <laughs> Peter Peter right Augustine Hodesty. It's a direct link. So, so poor Augustine disappears into the belly, perhaps of a crocodile, and along with true, his true, yes, okay. sad, sad. So it's a sad story. Thanks. Yes. Thanks for bringing that sad story here, George. Uh, my task is to tell this sad story. For, <laughs> that's one reason why I, I, after t- I love the job, but after 10 years of killing myself by, off by crocodile five times a day, <laughs> you just, you just can't do it anymore. Like, I mean, it's, ladies of the, it's uh, too depressing. Of the Plano Country Club, thus ends my career. Oh, I was the king of the third-tier market. I, <laughs> I, I was in Providence, Rhode Island, Des Moines, right. Iowa, uh, Peter, St. Petersburg, Florida, Dallas, right. Houston. They loved the Count. I was better known as a wine personality right. out there than here because, curiously, although many of us make a living from wine right. here in Sonoma, right. no one actually cares about wine at all. <laughs> George, not true. There are not no, true. There people are no, care about wine. No, people, they don't. People don't care about wine historian crocodile. They don't care stuff. about wine at all. They drink they it. They right? drink it. So you know what? You know what's, what's Oh, you mean people that live here? Yes, I live here. Well, do you know why, George? Because it's everywhere. Right. It's like it's like when people come in and they go, "I want to meet a winemaker," and I take them next door. I'm like, "There's my neighbor. They're a winemaker." Correct. And they go, "Here's my other neighbor." Also a wine Sure. So in Sonoma, right. so you're right. when people do talk, yeah. residents, when people do talk about wine, right. it sounds like this. You see this bottle here? This is a $50 bottle, but I got it for 10 bucks because I know the winemaker. <laughs> the friends and family, it fell off a truck or it was a shiner. Or here's a dealio, sir. You're complaining because you can't sell coals in Newcastle and because everyone here has wine. I'm not complaining. It was a right. joy so to travel hero. around America right. selling wine. And particularly, they loved the count in the South. Really? Because there is a thing about Texas, Florida, Mississippi, Louisiana. There is a spirit of hospitality that Mm. still exists that is that is real. Right. And and they weren't they weren't um, made nervous by people dressing up in this clothing and wearing a top Uh, hat. They they think it's fun. They're like, of course. In, in, In New Jersey, once again. They don't get out of here. They, they, no, I ain't got no quarters I, for you. I was chased out the one time, chased out in New Jersey by a guy mm-hmm. who said, "I got no." T- is this is this the wine business? There's a Hollywood. Get out of here. That's a true story. Old I feel like he threw like out. A, a hoagie at your head or like a piece of pizza or something. Like that. Yeah, I was like, get out of here. Can't handle that. 
Yeah. Um, Everywhere so, else, though, they they love the count, and it was a lot of fun. Between that, though, George, like so, you, you have the count a long and glorious run. The only the only winemaker historian or historic historical wine brand ambassador to date. But in a $26 billion industry, I was the, the only, only one that had the nerve to sell wine um, as a historic. But the thing is that, Tim, I started selling wine in 1977 okay. when I got a degree of political science from UC Santa Cruz, Go slugs. which made me perfect for the wine industry. <laughs> You were a poli sci- you a poli sci major? Well, actually, it was called politics. Oh, good. At Santa Cruz, not not science because right. it's not a science. It's not a science. People. No, but I got I got a politics degree. Okay. And then I started working in a wine shop, and I was there for or four down years. to Santa Cruz. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was at Ernie's Liquors. Okay. And it, it was a great time, and I I learned a lot about wine, and then I I sold wine for a distributor for a while, and so I have been in and out of the wine business for over forty five years. I didn't so know I can that. actually talk about wine. And my whole point was to talk about wine in ways that are enlightening, uh, not talking down to people. Right, right. And also, not too much, because, you know, you talk about vineyard, um, the, 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 the year, the oak treatment, mm-hmm. the mallow, malolactic, malolactic or not malolactic. you got to say that word. And explain that, what that means to people. Diacetyl. Or diacetyl, I always mispronounce it. Well, trichloranosol, you mean? Well, the chemical good. compound of a cork bottle? Well, I see cork, yeah. See? see you know, Explain like, all this. And then, but that, I do. But then do their eyes glaze over, like the five Well, because I get, do it in one minute. Okay. I, do, I, give, I, give enough, I would give enough for people, the wipe guys to go, oh, okay, well, that's, okay, I got right, that. Right. Yeah, oh, I understand that. And then I would tell the story and sing a song. That's the way to do it. And here's a song for you. <laughs> Chardonnay, you are the one. Fabulous, bright, golden liquid. You shine like the sun in the winter or the fall, in the springtime, summer, any time at all. Chardonnay, Chardonnay, you are the best. You simply have much more flavor than all of the rest. Vanilla, apple, and pear, papaya, coconut, butterscotch, buttered toast. Chardonnay. You're still going. Is that? I would. I've sung that song. That's the total I've sung that song. That's it. I've sung that song fifteen thousand times. Did you write that song? I wrote the words. It's the, the yeah. tune is night and day. Night and day. Night and day. You are the one. So just like a lot of so George, you missed the whole chance to do jazz standard like like Pinot Noir to like it had to be you or something. My little Pinot, so red, so fine. My little Pinot, won't you be mine tonight? Maybe too late. My little Pinot, it feels like fate. Oh, let my lips embrace brace you, then I shall slowly taste you. And I, I taste the wine. Supple, <laughs> gravy, and delicious. You're mine. Fulfill my wishes from the Russian River Valley or Carneros where the fog blows. Ask Lord Bacchus for he knows Buena Vista makes the finest Pinots. Ta-da! Can I clap now? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. 
Thank you, Vinny. Uh, I'm not going to name any other wine varietals for the rest of the podcast because otherwise you, you might get another song. <laughs> the Great American Songbook will come out. It's, so, so when you do parody songs, it's very useful right. to use tunes from the Great American Songbook because right. then people can play along in their heads, sing along right. with their right. minds. You know, if you just have an original tune, it doesn't like, work that well. What's going on? That's here. the thing about parodists. And I had to get the, the night and day. Which thank you for yeah. pointing that out, um, George. Th- Okay, you've been Count Horastasisisi. You've done Mark Twain. My favorite character. I would rather be Sam Clemens than anybody else. Literally, uh, Tim, when I become Sam Clemens, he takes over. I have the entire afternoon off. Okay. He does it all by himself. Okay. He's a terrible flirt. <laughs> oh, he can't help himself. I shouldn't have mentioned. I feel like I'm, I'm in like an exorcism. Uh, I do what share, other characters? I, I do share certain. I, sh- I do share certain personality traits with Sam. After all, I was born modest, but it soon wore off. George, <laughs> what? See, so you do Mark Twain. You asked me to be here. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, it, it wasn't my idea. You know, what other characters you got in there? I have been working on William Tecumseh Sherman for six years. I've not done him yet in hmm. a public setting. And I look actually more like Sherman than any other character. Really? This is Sherman. <laughs> You're squinting one eye. I suggest you surrender scared. Atlanta now. Yeah, I don't, I don't... I don't want to kill all of you. I don't think this will be a good character to do in the Southeast. Well, the thing is that Sherman has an importance with Sonoma. How so? Sherman was a captain in the U.S. Army in 1846, Mm -hmm. 1847. He came in the January 1847, and he came to Sonoma on a day in 1847, and we know the day he visited. It's written in his memoirs, (laughs) and he visited... A specific house that still stands on First Street East. Really? So Sherman was here. Okay. And Sherman is kind of the zealot of the 19th century. He okay. was at a lot of important places and continued as an important fellow for 40 years after, hmm. 30th of the Civil War. He lived in the 1890s. Okay. And... Um, and he's the one who, who didn't want to be president. And he's, he famously said, uh, if... if if nominated, I will not run. If elected, I will not serve. That's what he said. So I'm Sherman. Haven't done him yet. Okay. Uh, I've also performed as Charles Krug at Charles Krug Winery. Okay, and explain uh, who that is. Uh, Charles Krug was the German who was hired by, by uh, who was taught how to make wine by Count Harris Thie. They became okay. best friends. Okay. And in fact, when I left Buena Vista, I worked for about five months at Charles Krug. Okay. Because I love the story. And it's a famous winery. Und, uh, uh, Charles, and I, 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 I was able to to have a German accent because I watched Hogan's Heroes. Authentic Germans. <laughs> Hogan, Hogan. <laughs> I've also I've done Sam Brannan as well. Sam okay. Brannan, the, the founder of Calistoga, remarkable character. Hmm. I love Sam. He was the richest man in Gold Rush, California. Uh, and one time he owned one quarter of Sacramento and one-fifth of San Francisco. And he was making $20,000 a month in the money of the time. Back then, yeah. 20000 a month uh, in between 18, 1860 
Three and 68. Was that like on rent or like on actually producing stuff? Or what was he doing? Rent. Rent. Okay, so he yeah. owned land. And, and owned land. He sold, he right. sold land. And, and, and then uh, he was brought down by alcohol, which is always uh, depressing mm-hmm. for someone who also made a brandy. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. So, okay, so Sam Brennan, Charles Krug. Well, then I've been, so I start, my first character, my first character journey was Professor Vine. Professor Vine. And I did him because I began working at Sebastiani Winery in 2001. Mm. And they let me, very nice people, the Sebastianis, lovely to have them in our town. Uh, And they, they, I hired me to to give tours, Uh and they let me do Professor Vine. (laughs) And... Professor Vine, this is this is the voice, the voice of Professor Vine. I am Professor Vine, and he has flipped charts uh-huh. and explained wine knowledge in a humorous way. Gotcha, like a college professor, obviously. Did you? Yes. Did well, you? Did at, you pattern So you you uh, probably not old enough. But there's a there was a man called Professor Irwin Corey. Oh. Ever heard of him? No, no. Well, you're not quite old enough, Tim. But um, <laughs> as as he I was a comedian who was on the Tonight Show. Okay. When Johnny Carson, okay. I know Johnny was Carson. the host. And he did a wacky professor bit with a mortarboard hat and a scholastic robe uh, and, a, and a chart. Okay. And it was wordplay. Okay. And, and very amusing. And I watched him when I was eight years old. Right. Late at night, because my dad would let me stay up and watch. And I went, that guy. And so I've, and, and I, I've been, so actually, on Tuesday uh-huh. of July 18th, a man named Professor History will perform, and it's going to be, in fact... Wait, here in Sonoma? In Sonoma. Will that person look like you? But That's with me. The mortarboard? And, and, and so, actually, he is, the, he is the, the latest iteration of the Professor Vine character. So, let's talk about this. Because you, you started doing these sort of, like, history, like, just come up and on into a history tour, and now you're doing something new, which is, like, historical busking. Yes, uh, 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 my partner C.W. Bayer and I are are the first ever of Sonoma history buskers. We busk with history, <laughs> so tell not me. music, history, and tell we busk. Me, how we're does, busking? How does that? Are you just going to go passing like, the hat? You're going to go to subway station and start history, but we don't have a subway, so you're just going to go to the plaza. I'm going to the plaza okay. on Tuesday, July 18th at 5:30 in the evening, mm-hmm. and something called the 41-minute condensed history of California will take place. A free minutes. cultural event. When when do you start in like the geologic age? How much? I mean, 41 minutes is not a lot of time to cover California There's history. There's four so. acts, okay. and we go back. The first act is 17,000 years ago, okay. and we meet ancient man in the Sonoma Plaza. And we have a time machine, you see, on stage. We have a time machine. An actual like time H. machine. Wells kind made of time out machine. Of, well, not as nice as the one they did in the movie, yeah. but but this is actually made of, of PVC pipe and shower curtains. I think it works. Yeah, those work. And the and it does it's work. Like and in. the motive force of the time machine is I'm not Mr. Peabody, no. That's a different <laughs> thing. Um, uh, the the motive force of the time machine is drums, rattles, shakers, and ratchets. Okay. And audience members will do these things, and that takes me back into time. Back, and will the original, how, how long ago did the plaza? 17,000 like 17, years ago. And then we go to so, 1579 okay. CE, Common Era, because we no longer use right, AD, right, right, right. Common Era. And that's where we'll meet Reverend Fletcher, who was on board the Golden Hind mm-hmm. right after they have been on the coast of Point Reyes and met the inhabitants we now call the Coastal Miwok. Okay, first of all, I believe it was Bodega Bay, and I think you're wrong. Okay, well, there's a lot of discussion on that to this day. (laughs) 
including the guy who faked the bra- the plaque. The f- that, no, and that, and that was an embarrassing and weird yes. story. Yes. Uh, that fooled the experts for 50 years. See? A lot of that stuff happens. Okay, so yeah. he's got a 1579, this guy Fletcher, who... Reverend Fletcher. He was the arrows, one... Reverend Fletcher was the one who was the chaplain for Drake, okay. and he wrote in his diary what happened, and so that's how we know what happened when the first Europeans mm-hmm. to land in Northern California, what happened when the indigenous people saw them for the first time, first right. contact. The first contact yeah. with what we now call the coastal Miwok. Yes. Because we also have, and, I, and you've covered this a lot, and you've been very advo- you know, advocating for a better understanding of actual history, in spite of all your characters. That's my point. The, the Miwok, the Pomo. Um, and the Wapo and the, and the Patrick. We go back 17,000 years, so the very first, because that's how long they've been here, at least. Right, right. Yeah. And you, they never and, left. But, but in spite of all your characters, George, you're also quite vocal locally about really examining how we talk about history. All, all jokes aside, that there are characters, and we examine history often in the United States based upon movies, and we think, oh, that's how history was, but really that's John Wayne playing a character, adaptation of something that didn't really happen, but it's a good story. But you've actually, I can say, uh, to your credit, you have been very vocal about, we have to re-examine how we look at history uh, in Sonoma. You know, you're not, you're not talking California, you're, you're like the mission, the, the whole experience with the Europeans, the contact with the, the Native Americans here. So I give you credit, because you, you are, I know in spite of your recent performance here, you're actually pretty vocal <laughs> about um, these things. I I don't work for anyone but myself <laughs> now. And you got and opinions. And so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> and I believe that the truth is important. Right. And I did the Bear Flag Revolt reenactment in mm-hmm. this town from 2004 till 19. Mm-hmm. And in that year, 2019, the world changed. Right. And seemingly... Uh, around the world, people said, you know, those Civil War statues, they're sort of bad, and, and they should come down. Right. And and then we, we meaning society, began reevaluating um, many things. Mm-hmm. And I believe that every generation has the ability and the necessity of looking to the past and reordering how they view the past in gradations of morality. Mm. But and that's, that's that's a great insight because when you're, you know, when you're studying AP U.S. history, you think this is received wisdom. This is history that has come down from historians. And then 50 years down the road, you're like, well, actually, we found more information, or we were able to understand this, or we, we translate something, and history changes. And you can it's you true. fight against history that. keeps changing all right. the it's, time. It's, it's how we interpret it, and often the person writing the history, and who's not writing the history, and who they're writing about, and who they're not writing about. It's we do have to kind of reset and think what are the stories and what's true and, and how it's being presented. But all good points, yeah. Mr. Tim. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and we know a lot about what happened, particularly in early California, because mm-hmm. the mission fathers, the Franciscan fathers okay. were highly educated from right. Spain. Right. And they were very literate. Mm. And they wrote volumes right. of, of in their diaries and letters. And so, and so I use these letters. So the point is to, is to not, talk, not, not use someone else's interpretation, mm-hmm. but go to the letters themselves. Right. Go to the original And the documents. diary entries themselves. And you, you're absolutely right that a, an organization, in this case the Spanish Catholic Church, that had, you know, they were a worldwide corporation. So they had incredible communication and logistics 
which helps you in your historical record. So we know we actually know a great deal about what happened, right? And and in the 1890s into the 1930s, and really until today, something called the mission myth was born. Right, what was that? And the mission myth was the notion that the Franciscan fathers were well-meaning and kind mm-hmm. and lovely people who were leading Native American indigenous people in California toward God in, in kind and considerate ways. And it was all a happy place. Right. And in fourth grade, over... For the last hundred years, people made missions. They make a mission out of sugar and they, cubes. And, and they presented this yep. image. And to some degree, this was a real estate scheme hmm. begun to sell real estate in Southern California. And the typical tiled roof, white uh, buildings that are the mission revival style, the curved windows and doors, right. which are reminiscent of the church bell, mm. the curve of mm. the bell. Our own our own city hall has that, mm. Mm. the curved bell. Right. And so this notion of a happy life for heathen Native Americans being led towards civilization and a knowledge of of the right way to live mm-hmm. was created out of whole cloth. If you go back to the original people who visited, the French, the Russians, the English, in eight, in, 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 in 1786, a man named Jean-Louis Jean Perus was on a three-year voyage around the world mm. And he was a French explorer, and he had five ships, and he went from France across the Atlantic, visited slave plantations in the West Indies and Mm. St. Domingo, Mm -hmm. went all around the tip of South America, and visited Santa Clara Mission, Mm. and and was horrified by what he saw, Mm. and in fact described the missions as being worse Mm. than the slave plantations. Mm. Because you see... In the slave plantations, the enslaved African people had value, hmm. so they weren't they weren't worked to death hmm. or whipped overtly. But in the California missions, they would just go out and get more, hmm. and they weren't believed to be human unless they fully became Christians. Hmm. So. We'll be, we'll be talking about these difficult issues. In the condensed history. In the condensed history. Cover, I mean, this is, a, so what I like is that you're going to, you, you're fun, you're, you know, you're lively, but you're also talking about the hard parts of history that should be talked about so people can have an understanding of history and, you know, chart our next course. Well, it has to start with a true understanding of what happened mm. and to remind ourselves that going back in between the 1780s and the 1830s, Many people understood the missions were a bad thing. Hmm. That's not new. Right. They ch- the, the, the historical record was altered for the benefit of certain elements the of society. The 50-year look back, the looking and you know, saying, this is how example, history. Another example. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Mississippi River Valley, mm-hmm. the early F- French explorers had a different relationship with the Native American nations that they encountered. Right. And when France sent their young men into the New World, they sent bachelors, young men, mm-hmm. unmarried. Right. And they said to them, you're not coming back. Mm-hmm. And you shall intermarry with the native peoples, and your progeny will be French people. 
They will be French citizens. Interesting. And the Spanish had a lesser way, and the, and the English completely different way to look at it. Have you? This is kind of going sideways. Yeah. I, I look at the book, but I, I read American Nations: A History of the Eleven re- Rival Regional Cultures of North America talks about the French, the the Yankeedom, uh-huh. the the Spanish. There's these different regions of the United States that had these different values. Sure. And like the, uh, the you know, it's, it's a really, what you're talking about, they, he covers this in that book. It's, it's so, so what happened, and specifically with the French, yeah. is that what we know, what they used to call a polyglot culture right, was, right. you know, where a blending of, of the French technology and way of life and the Native American way of life, they got along really very well. Hmm. And, and loving, wonderful family units were created. Hmm. And that, and that, all of that, and and they were highly educated. Mm-hmm. Some of them went back to France and 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 mm-hmm. were and were learned from universities there, mm-hmm. and they were not looked down upon by the local culture. And after the Civil War, they literally people went back and r- removed names from from church records. Hmm. They they rewrote history. They expunged to to to, yeah. to, to make that that. It was called miscegenation. Yeah, the, right the, blending, the blending of, of, of the of, blood of supposed reasons. Yeah, and, and and of course, America, uh, to its horror, was a leader in the 1920s of the eugenics movement. Oh, right, right. And so, once again, history is not easy to talk about. Right, but it's important to talk about. Well, we have to talk about it because we have to know how it got here. Right. How do we get here? Right. How how can we get out of this situation we have we're in today? Hmm. It must. It begins with understanding how we got here. Right. And and history is not easy to understand. It is complicated. History is the gray area. Mm-hmm. And so my way of dealing with these topics is to try to make it sort of funny and fast-paced right. and and humorous to drop people to lev- to leaven mm-hmm. out the horror mm-hmm. of the truth. Okay. So that hopefully people won't run screaming from the auditorium <laughs> from the amphitheater. On July 18th at 5.30. <laughs> and you're going to do, I'm hopefully this isn't the first one, you're going to do more, I mean, the, not the last one, you're going to do more of these, I hope. Well, this, Depending is, part, on this if, is part one. If you get arrested by the code enforcement guy in the plaza. Do they know about this, George? Are you? Are you they, they, they know exactly what's going to happen? No, okay, they do right. not. <laughs> I love this even better. I love this. Well, there's an old saying. <laughs> Always better to ask forgiveness and permission. <laughs> um, and lovely people here in town. I think right. that, that Sonomans are ready to hear the truth. It'll be good. Okay. Um, with, but I'm not sh- completely sure about <laughs> that. <laughs> if people want, because uh, just and before we get into our next section here, you also, in addition to being a freelance on the street historian, oh, but Busker, you're, this yeah. isn't gonna. This is not gonna air till July nineteenth. Is that correct? Uh, no, it'll be up pretty soon. Uh-huh. I think. I mean, so it'll. Yeah. But no it'll, one actually lo- watches your show. Is that right? Just my dad. And my mom. I feel better now. <laughs> Get out of here. And um, three hundred bots on TikTok will watch this because I buy the traffic later. George, it's a joke. I'm not worried about That's the box. That's a joke. That's a joke. All right, here, here you also run a radio show. You run a scripted Western radio show. Darn true. You are also a, uh, you help out with CW's uh, music show sometimes. I run the board for CW, so a remarkable musician. You you are not just a guy who plays a guy who got eaten by a crocodile or a guy who marched from Atlanta to the sea or a guy that wrote the celebrated jumping frog of Calaveras County. 
I mean, you're all nice recitation of the previous people. There we go. Wow, you're on fire today, Tim. (laughs) But you're also more, (laughs) more than that. You are also heard on the airwaves. You are a morning show host at KSPY. Love the love KSPY. We are so fortunate to have this radio station. I've been on KSPY since September 2004. Okay. My radio theater of the Wild West Sunday nights at six o'clock. The only scripted regular radio show I hear. Could, I don't know anyone else who writes a six thousand word script every week. With different characters, like three characters, Character, four well, characters. I've got over. There's like thirteen characters. Different voices. Now. It's everything. It's like well, it's we a have. Real radio I have. Show. I have two wonderful voiceover actors who perform with me: CW and and then Butch Engel. Okay, Butch Engel. The remarkable, remarkably talented voiceover actor who actually has an agent. Oh, really? He's he's legit. Right. He's, he's voice real. actor. Okay. You don't have an agent? No. I'll be your agent. George, if people want more information about how to get a hold of George Weber, the historian, do you have a website or something? Oh, I do. It's very simple. It's called georgeweber.com. Okay. Weber with two Bs. Couldn't be easier. And George spelled with G-E-O-R-G-E. Yes. I don't know. Maybe it's different. Like G I O R G. George. 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 And, and then my email, which is right. always good, is also easy. George at georgeweber.com. That's very good. That's good. Um, George, in spite of this incredibly amazing and entertaining uh, conversation we've had. Yes. And all the different characters. I'm sure you're going to pull out another character, so i got to hurry up before you become Sarah Winchester or something. But here's my question. <laughs> I don't do her, no. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. You need to, uh, you need to help me answer some questions because we have two visitor centers, as you know. Uh, one in the plaza, one in the south part here at Viance Winery. True. People come up and ask us questions on Facebook and whatever. Sure. And you're going to be a volunteer for a moment and help me answer some questions. Go it, right ahead. And it's a segment that we call We Get, get Questions. questions. Okay. Here we go. You ready? You haven't seen these. You have, have not you seen literally, these. I mean, I've got them right here. If you literally want to look at them, not seen I'm just going to rattle them off. Okay, so okay. here's literally ahead. a question I got today from a guy named Dave. I live in San Francisco, and two of my friends are visiting from Minnesota. We want to go wine tasting, but not have to spend a lot of money since they are new to wine. His, his friends, they're, they're teachers from Minnesota. We also want to do a picnic somewhere. Any ideas? Yes. Okay. Go to Nevada County. George, I swear to God. Sorry, sorry. Go to Nevada sorry. County. <laughs> sorry. Brought to you by the Nevada Irrigation District and Tourism <laughs> I'm sorry, Office. I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, so, so, I'll so, try to answer that question in ways that your clients that well, are members no, of the be, Visitors you Bureau. Can be clear. I'm going to give you, okay. <laughs> if, you, if you had two friends from Iowa coming to visit, assuming you had two friends and they're from Iowa, I and would, they didn't want to spend 50 bucks per tasting, what would you do? Well... I think that Buena Vista is 25, and that's a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly don't go over to Napa. Uh, the, 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 they've gone mad with the pricing. Mm-hmm. And so I like Viance. I like, um, Viance is a beautiful place. I don't know what right. the tastings are. Right. I'm a big fan of Gloria Ferrer. Okay, sparkling they're, wine. They're sparkling. It's a beautiful place to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, Gloria Ferrer has a wonderful view out over Carneros, and you can have a self-guided tour that shows how they make hmm. the sparkling wine there. Okay. I don't think it's terribly expensive to no. taste there. Uh, um, we have a lot of smaller wineries that you can... Uh, make reservations at 
Um, I think if they go to a great website on the Sonoma Valley Visitors Bureau, well, they probably can find some suggestions. You know, wonderful people there, actually. <laughs> Wait a minute. I love this because now you're my... You're, we're imagining you're working at the visitor center and you're saying, but go to the website. <laughs> but you're oh, right. You're uh, right. Well, no, you're right. Um, you're right. So the, the thing is, is, the reason why you got that email yeah. is that the biggest change in tourism over the last 20 years mm-hmm. is that unlike 20 years ago, people are, are already have their trip planned out. They really do. It's just, you can't overstate that. Right. I mean, they've got it hour by hour. So like, yeah. So the, so the thing about like concierge is unnecessary now. Although it's funny because the, I was talking to the concierge, Laura, over at the lodge. They have real-time information. They know who's open. They're who's very closed. good. No, but, they're, they're very good. But that's my point. It's like we were laughing because someone will come up to us and say, we, you know, we got everything fine. I'm like, okay. And they'll walk away. And they're going to go to a restaurant. And I'm like, they're closed today. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not uh, open. But, no. you know, uh, when I began my General Vallejo walking tour mm-hmm. the Sonoma Plaza, mm-hmm. um, I was sent people by concierges every day mm-hmm. and because they took my tour right. and they knew what I did. Right. And, and now uh, I know st- there's a few concierges left and it drives them crazy. They will give them hard earned, great knowledge. Right. And as they walk away, they're looking at the phone as if, as if, you know, the people that don't know anything would know more than them. It right. drives these wonderful I, people nuts. It really true. does. I, if, I wouldn't so listen but, to random so to people. To answer your question, internet. I would say Buena Vista, Gloria Ferrer, uh, Viansa is a lovely place. Good one. And then um, go up the valley. It, you know, um, uh, um, St. Francis is a beautiful place. That's cool. And you can also walk in the vineyard. Yeah, there so, and, and so, yeah. you know, when people want to visit they, uh, a wine country, they want to go down and be, walk in the vineyard. They want to see grapes. Yeah. And so what you yeah. do is at St. Francis, you walk, you can get, you can get a glass of wine mm-hmm. and it's really good. Mm-hmm. Then it's not terribly expensive. And you walk mm-hmm. down and you walk right up down into the vineyard and then you look up at the caldera, mm-hmm. the, the most impressive feature of the Sonoma Valley, the half blown away volcano. No longer active. It's not active now. No. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, you. You know, Mount Kanaktai is active in Lake County. Very far away from here, George. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's, you don't need to worry. It last, it last went up 11,000 years ago. I Unlikely like to do so now. I feel like that's going to be in your condensed history of California. No. Okay. No, but, but so those are some answers okay. for you. Uh, where's a good place for a picnic? The best place to have a picnic in the Sonoma Valley is at Bartholomew Park. And that is not far from the plaza. You could drive there in seven minutes. And there are picnic tables on this hillside where the nudist colony was uh, between 18, uh, 19... 29 and 1946. And you're looking out over the valley, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And you could get a bottle of wine from the Bartholomew Park Estate Winery, okay. or you could bring your own. Right. And you could have a picnic there. Right there. And it is the best. It's just gorgeous. It, so, the valley stretches out below you. There's some places that have uh, nice shady trees over the okay. picnic tables. Okay. So that's the that's the best place for a picnic or the plaza has mm-hmm. many tables or bring a bring a a, a blanket or and just lie down on the and enjoy our magnificent plaza oh, thank you i like that if i go up to the uh, that that park you mentioned bartholomew park yeah keep my clothes on nowadays that the nudist colony is no longer there yes that okay. is true yes. the sun noma 
nudist colony. Sun Oma. Yeah, it was still the my favorite. Biggest nudist colony on the east on the west coast between 1920 and 1946. George, hundred naked people. In the 1930s, there you every can, weekend. You can picture it now. Uh, another question for you: Where is a good place for live music? Murphy's, great venue for live music. Mm-hmm. The Speakeasy mm-hmm. on the Plaza, another really fantastic venue. Those are the best places okay. that are in the Plaza right. or the Plaza adjacent, right, right on, right on the Plaza. They could be anywhere. Um, Palooza. Oh, yeah. Ken Wood has got Good live music, music yeah. great venue. We really are blessed with over 25 yeah. live performances every weekend. Every week. Thursday, the Thursday Valley. there's live music up in Glen Ellen. That we, Tuesday, we, the market. One reason why my pal CW moved here two years ago, a professional musician from Nevada, he moved here, he was, he was amazed. Hmm. You know, true story, he bought this house on the... On the west side, mm-hmm. and and he he actually had never seen or knew about the plaza when, when he bought this house. He was living what? in Santa Rosa. What he, he never did. I just learned today. He came, he came to town. He got this house. It was a great. It's house. literally in the middle. of I, He'd town. never been there, and 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 he said someone said we should go visit the plaza. Oh, what's that? And he went and went. Oh my! Why this is perfect. <laughs> For buskers, which he is. Yeah, he plays. And quite so good, there yeah, you are. Okay. So the, we're just very fortunate to have so much okay. live music and so many musicians. A lot of them. And yeah. and and I guarantee you, there will be no bad musicians in this no. town because yeah. because the overall level is so high. Right. We we chase the bad ones out. Like get out of here. Go to Santa Rosa. Well, there's no one will hire them or, or let them play <laughs> for free. Here's another here's another uh, question we got. I have a group coming in for a conference. I think it would be fun to do something outdoors, like at night, that involves marveling at the heavens above. Are there any places that we can do that? Well, the Ferguson Observatory would come to mind. Yeah, the Robert at, Ferguson at, Observatory? At, which is glorious beyond belief. Yeah. yeah. And... It might be possible for a group to have someone open the place up for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is Team Sugarloaf. They can do it. And they are in favor of money. <laughs> so what, <laughs> To keep you you know, are Sugarloaf right. Ridge George, going. You, you are so right. They might be able, if they had enough league time. I mean, they do. There's an organization. Because it's probably, you know, probably, because this is a year from, they could probably, come, they could come up with a wonderful evening for that group. Right, and it's not that far a walk from the parking lot up there. It's gorgeous beyond belief, and they could look not just observe the the, the heavens, but look at them through telescopes. You're right. So the Robert that would be fun. you're right. The Robert Ferguson Observatory, yeah, and that's actually a private nonprofit inside Sugarloaf, which yes. is itself run by another nonprofit. Yes, um, and they will work with you. For to, they, they can, people can talk about the planets. You can go up there. A lot of times they have the telescopes out, like you said, in the, in the parking lot, as well as the enormous telescopes. It's a have. wonderful group. Of, yeah. We are, we, we, are, we are really rich with nonprofits. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. We have more nonprofits than anywhere, anywhere yeah. in the world. Uh, per capita. Yes. I don't, almost. Yes. I'm going to stick by that. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly. And yes, <laughs> you heard it here. I, I, I have several myself. Okay. <laughs> here's the here's one we got. You know, people come up and they ask us these questions, right? These they, they just walk up and ask us this question. Final question we got was: I heard that the bear on the California flag is the result of a mix-up, and the original intent was for the flag to be a pear. This would make us the pear flag republic, and also have the secondary positive effect that encourage kids to eat locally grown fruits. Is this a true? story 
This is almost certainly a a, a, a ringer or a, a made-up question. <laughs> George, uh, people ask us questions. This is called We Ask Questions. Why would I make up a question about, the, it pair, sounds silly? about the pair flag uh, revolt? I can attest to you, in all truthfulness, that is completely not true. Um, the bear what? flag. Yeah, so the, the flag was made by William Todd, okay. and he wasn't made until... A couple of days after June 14th, 1846, it wasn't made the day of the revolt. Uh, and we don't know why William Todd, the nephew of Mary Todd Lincoln, chose a bear okay. as the symbol of the California Republic. We know that he put a star in right. the upper left-hand corner right. because that is reminiscent of the Texas Republic. Got it. That had a single star, the Lone Star State. And that Lone Star was first used by the Republic of West Florida oh. in 1812. The Bonnie Blue, blue background, mm. red star... Mm. And that was when the filibusters mm. moved into Spanish Western Florida, told the authorities they would abide by all the laws, and within three years decided that the that Spanish were terrible, and then fomented a revolution, which is what happened in Texas in 1836, and what happened in California in 1846, direct sequence and, like there, a line and there's a there. by the way there is a book on this subject that will come out as soon as i write it okay that's good so you're saying it's not true as far as you not know. true there's no pair that's all about atlanta the the, the, <laughs> the peaches? Oh, peach peaches not pears <laughs> But, but, Peaches. It, but george if it was true think about it it would have been the university of california the cal pears and the big game would be against the Stanford tree and Cal Pears. I think that would be quite the big game here in the Bay Area. But you're telling Once me again, not Tim, your, your, your interesting and humorous questions uh, <laughs> uh, uh, almost uh, uh, are more than one can imagine. <laughs> George, you have been a wonderful guest. And you are fantastic. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I just want to again reiterate, if people want more information about George Weber, where do they go? Well, georgeweber.com. And and to this day, Tim, Mm -hmm. I do offer a tour called the Locals History Tour of the Sonoma Plaza, Sundays at 10 a.m. And it's $20. it's twenty. It's it's a very expensive amount of money, and um, you can say it's twenty. And I'll do it for one person, and okay. often do. Okay. So and it's, it's ten a.m. Fo- it's an affordable walking tour. It is, okay. and and you'll meet me, and it's ninety minutes. Great. And and I and so that's that is that's the best that's the best deal in time. I love that. No okay. doubt about it. And that information's at georgeweber.com. and sometimes uh, at other places too. So SonomaValley.com if you have. Deals, special events. True. They could look there. So There's a wonderful website there, SonomaValley.com. I'm sorry, George, one more time. What was that? SonomaValley.com. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Remember to like, comment, subscribe, rate us, tell your friends. George, thanks for coming. We'll see you later. My pleasure. 